You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Pastor Joel. I am once again solo here, not sola scriptura, sola. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. I really don't have anything. That was kind of off the cuff. Also, I keep doing this intro because I keep saying who this next song is by, and I keep saying the state like I am, what's his name from Thor Ragnarok, Scourge. So this this song that we're going to look at today is called To The One by Upper Room, and Upper Room is a church out in Dallas, Texas, and that is all I'm going to tell you about that story. So, so we're going to look at this song because here at Bible Fellowship Church of Newark, we're going to be singing this song this coming Sunday. We're going to introduce this song to the church. And the reason why I want to introduce this song, uh, there's two reasons. One is it's it, one is it's a really catchy song that that I think would also breathe some fresh life into our repertoire up here. We have a really good repertoire of hymns. Uh, and classics, and and so we are right now infusing a lot of the newer things to go alongside that, uh, and so this is a song that I think fits really well, even just in our style, uh, and then two, because of the content, I think also will will benefit and, and bless this church, and and here's here's mainly what I'm what I what I mean by when I say that the content is going to bless it. So the content of the whole song is is good, but the second verse I, I really think is is the sweet spot for me. And it, it's really subtle. So it's not this, whoa, that's such a, an amazing line. It's This is a really simple song, and that's not to knock it. Uh, it was written by Meredith Maudlin, Oscar Gamboa, and Bo Maddox, and it was released in February of 2019. And it's off the album To The One. So it's the same title for the album as the song. Verse one is, it's the mystery of this hope in me, how you hold the stars, yet you hold my heart. So, you know, you could, mystery, that's kind of Paul language, the mystery of the gospels revealed to the Gentiles, uh, this, the hope that you have in you, I mean, the, um, that's, that's also Paul, kind of uh, the hope of his glory, uh, you, how you hold the stars, that you hold my heart, that's kind of creation language, what's really cool about our faith is that it wasn't just kind of God doing all the work in the beginning, and then uh, Jesus came when he needed to, and the Holy Spirit came when he needed to, it's the Jesus was there at creation, right? And so that's that's so cool. And then even that that language of the Lord holding our hearts even now, when with so much going on in our culture, I think it fits really well. Uh, the second verse, which is the one that I really wanted to focus on, one whose first and last wipe away, wiped away my past, perfect royalty made his home in me. So I'm not going to talk about that just yet. So then the first course, which is cool, so there's two different courses. The first course kind of builds off of those two verses. To the one who holds the stars, we lift you higher, we lift you higher. To the one who holds our hearts, there is no other. There is no other like you. I think that's really cool. I think that you take what you've said in that first, those first two verses and then kind of talk about that in your rallying cry of the chorus. And then you have two more verses, three and four. King of endless life, yet you chose to die on a sinner's tree exposed for me. Verse four, with one final breath, it is finished. Storm the gates of hell, ripping through the veil. And then you go to the second chorus. To the one who overcame, we lift you higher. We lift you higher. To the name above all names, there is no other. There is no other. To the one who overcame, you do that again. So what's the difference between that first chorus and the other one is you have to the one who holds the, holds the stars, we lift you higher. To the one who holds our hearts, there is no other. There's no one like you. To the one who overcame, to the name above all names, there is no other. I think it's so cool. 
And then you go to the bridge. Jesus Christ, we magnify your life. For your majesty, we crown you king of kings. There's a second bridge that you sing at the end. And so that was the first bridge. The second one is Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice. You are beautiful, our hopes in you alone. So really simple language, but it what's cool is every verse kind of has a nice pointed theme. Now, there it's not clear it's not like a super clear cut verse to chorus. Ooh, wow, this is, or each verse to verse. Um, there is some ambiguity. And so I, w- I would say that the, the doctrinal clarity in the song isn't, you know, isn't going to win a, a prize. Uh, but it's, it, it touches on some elements that I think would, would benefit the church. And so, uh, you know, verse three, talking about king of endless life, that you chose to die, right? Christ has existed before and is before time because he's outside of time, right? Christ is eternal. He is God. Uh, he is the, the second person of the Trinity, right? And and yet he chose to die, which is, you know, it wasn't Jesus having to die. It wasn't Jesus feeling like he was forced to do it or God made him do it. Jesus chose to die. I mean, you look at uh, him in the garden, even pleading with the Lord saying, you know, if there's any other way, but no matter your will be done. And it wasn't him saying, fine, okay. It was Christ choosing to die. I mean, Hebrews even says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Uh, and so that's, and so he died on a sinner's tree, which is really, uh, which is a great allusion to a lot of Old Testament uh, prophecy and, um, you know, curses anyone who, who dies on a tree. And then exposed for me, which is just, a, it's an interesting line, exposed for me, um, I don't think you ever really think about it, the cross like that. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, with one final breath, it is finished, right? So you've got, I mean, everyone knows that. It, he, he, with his final breath, he, he breathed, it is finished, and stormed the gates of hell, ripping through the veil. So ripping through the veil, you've got that. When he died, um, when he died, you, you saw the veil torn in two, which meant that we now have unlimited access between us and the Father. You know, before you had to have the priest to go inside the veil, uh, but now Christ ripped it, and so we have unlimited access. Storm the gates of hell. There's a lot of things you could go there. Is this? Is it saying he went to hell and suffered? Is he? Did he go to paradise? Flush Hades? You know all the different things. I I don't think they were going that pointed. Now I would love to, for them to tell me. Um, I'm I think it's more of you know. Uh, his his conquer over the death, hell, the death, and the grave, right? That 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 you know the, the gates of hell will not, now are no longer able to triumph because Christ died on the cross. I think that would be more what I would assume that they were talking about. So the first chorus, you know, to the one who holds the stars, right? Kind of simpler, similar similar um, language to verse one. You hold the stars that you hold my heart, and then to the one who holds our hearts. So it's just kind of a reiteration of the verse, the first verse, which is good. Um, and it's, it's a nice thing, a nice sentiment to sing, uh, chorus two to the one who overcame, we lift you higher, we lift you higher to overcame. So you've got language of Christ saying, Hey, you know, Hey, you don't need to fear the world because I've already overcome the world to the name above all names. That's Philippians two, one of my favorite passages, Jesus Christ, we magnify your life. This is the bridge, you know. What's what we often say is Christ's uh, life, death, and and uh, life, burial, and resurrection. Right? Uh, Christ didn't just live to die, and that was the whole goal of it. Christ's perfect life, his perfect uh, uh, time here on on our earth, in in was there then therefore given to us his perfection, his perfect life. 
was then able to be perfectly sacrificed, right? And we got all of the, the blessings and, and all the benefits of that. And for, his, for your majesty, we crown you king of kings, right? Um, it's pretty simple there. We The second bridge, Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice. Great language there, right? That's Hebrews talking about, you know, he was once in all the sacrifice made. Uh, so that we don't know have to, we don't have to sacrifice anymore. You are beautiful. Our hopes in you alone. Uh, I, I think that w- in recent in recent years we've kind of gotten away from referring to Christ as beautiful. Um, I, I, one of my favorite songs is this old song called "Beautiful Savior." I think it's by Kristen Stanfill. Um, Kristen Chris, Christian Stanfill. There's the name, and uh, I love it. I love singing that Christ is Christ is beautiful because. You know, we often say that to our, our, our spouses. I say that to guys. <laughs> it's just a thing I do just to be fun. What's up, beautiful? Uh, now it sounds weird. <laughs> but, but we say that uh, because we have this idea, oh, that's beauty, or we're just being, we're, being, we're joking, right, or being facetious. Uh, but Christ will always be the best uh, fulfillment of every adjective, the positive adjective that we could ever think of, right? So, uh, uh, majestic, um, powerful, um, um, admirable, right? All, all these different things we're, we're, we're using to describe this Savior. Um, he is all those things and then some. And so, beautiful, I think, is one of those that I love to use because Christ is beautiful in that his, it is awe-inspiring to look at, right? When you see something with so, so with such beauty, you're just captivated. And our hopes in you alone. Yeah, that we don't hope in what things of this world, but things uh, of of Christ. We don't we don't put our trust in government or or who's going to be the next president. We put our hope in Christ. Uh, but I wanted to focus on verse two today, uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. And I'm already kind of getting there, so I want to I want to do this use the, the remainder of the time for this. One who's first and last wiped away my past. I want to focus on that line, wiped away my past. So when I was growing up in the church, I, I would have loved that line. Oh man, I was I was really into more charismatic stuff, which this song comes from an incredibly charismatic church, which isn't bad. I mean, I will say when your song is 50 minutes long and <laughs> I'm trying to find where... I'm trying to listen to it. I'm going, man, when is this song over? Or Is this another song or is it the same song? Uh, this song is not one of those songs, but they have some songs that are 50 minutes long. And that's no knock on them. I just think it's fun. Uh, but this this came this came from a really charismatic church. And I, I was in a really charismatic church at one point. And, and I enjoyed that because it, you feel things so deeply and it feels, you feel strongly and it feels good. And, and when you sing about being like your past is wiped away or God is... God doesn't look at your past anymore. I mean, that's just, that's such a wonderful thing to think about because how many times do we do we interact? How many and how many interactions that we have with others are we very cognizant and very aware of our history with them, or, or maybe our our history that we have that we don't want them to see because if they see that, then they might think differently of us. And what happens a lot in more of the uh, more of the reformed, not saying that charismatics can't be reformed, but more of the the Presbyterian reformed Baptist circles, you know, uh, the the John MacArthur sides, the uh, all that kind, of, the, the, those camps, right? Um, you know, so the five solas, which everyone believes, but you know, really harping on that, the Calvinistic camps. Okay, I've just used a ton of language. Uh, you get away from 
sitting and relaxing in God wiping away your past because you are very aware that you are not good enough. Uh, and then you appreciate God's grace. You, 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 were, you were predestined to be, to be saved. You could not have saved yourself. It was only by the grace of the Lord through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And so you do get a, a greater appreciation for, the, for Christ's death, uh, death burial, and, and resurrection in his life, uh, but you don't really get to sit in it. I don't, I don't see that happening a lot. And maybe it happens at your church, and that's great, but man, just thinking about the fact that God wiped away our past, right? The verse that says, as far as the East is from the West, right? Have I cast your sins? Right? He, he does not remember our, our transgressions. He, uh, you, I think of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does that mean? That means if you are saved in Christ, it doesn't matter what has happened before. You're in Christ. You don't put your past or your sin before who you are in Christ because it's been wiped away. And even if you still wrestle with the things that you wrestled with and you ran to, you didn't wrestle with, but you ran to before Christ, they are not the things that define you anymore. Yeah, we're supposed to, we must be living in righteousness. We're supposed to grow and be more like Christ. We're supposed to pick up our cross daily and die to ourselves, the scripture tells us. We are to be holy and perfect as Christ is holy and perfect. Yes, but what that doesn't mean is that we continue to carry our past with us to remind us that we are not good enough. Because that's not the case. It's not that we were good enough to be saved, and it's not even that we weren't good enough to be saved. So it's not that we were good enough or weren't good enough to be saved. It's that Christ was the perfect sacrifice. And he chose to be the perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice? Sacrifice. There we go. Before the foundation of the world itself. And because of that, because his death on the cross, God in Christ said, it does not matter what happened before this moment, before you were saved in Christ. You are a new creation. Man, and I want to live like that now. When I think about how beautiful it is to know that I am a new creation saved in Christ, it gives me the warmth of hope for the future, knowing that, man, if, if my past is gone and God is God has in Christ saved me from my sin and my sinful past and all the all the consequences of my past, then I can now live in freedom, right? I don't have to be burdened anymore. That's why when Paul says we're not slaves to to sin or or anything like that, we're slaves to righteousness. That's a good thing. That means that's what it what it's saying is that's the best master, right? Sin was a terrible master that we were beholden to, but now we are slaves to righteousness in Christ. Find a better master, right? You can't. So, church, I, I hope that this song encourages you. You know, if I ran it through my grid, is it gospel-centered, Christ-exalting, congregationally-friendly? You know, it's Christ-exalting. I definitely think so. There, there's some elements where it's really clear ex- exaltation of Christ. Gospel-centered, not really. I mean, you've got some lines, but you don't really have anything about Christ dying uh, and what that, that death did for us. 
Um, you know, you, you get some illusions, right? He chose to die on a sinner's tree, exposed for me, stormed the gates of hell, ripping through the veil, but not really, oh, this is what happened because of this. But it is very Christ-exalting, and I like that. I like to exalt Christ. Just me. That's just me. Uh, Congregationally friendly? Yeah. Yeah. 6-8 is a really easy, 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 easy time signature to sing in. There's more space to sing in, and it's easier when you have less... Uh, less per line, and so uh, definitely a congregationally friendly song. But I hope that you guys are encouraged by this episode. I know I got a little into the weeds at times, um, but I, I really am excited about the song because I, I do think it's it's going to bless our church up here, and I think that you would do well to do this, and I think the church would do well to do more songs by people that they may not necessarily all worship with on a Sunday morning, but are preaching truth in their songs. Now you might go, well, hold on, what considered the source? Go and listen to that podcast episode, okay? And you'll you'll see what I mean by considering the source. Also, uh, I just, I think we need to be less deconstructive and more uplifting. And the good thing is when you are doing that and you point people to the word, people can be trusted to make the right call. Um, and so I, I don't want to be known as the guy that always breaks, breaks people down and deconstructs. So... Anyway, that was another little rabbit trail. But uh, as, as always, if you guys ever have any questions, song selection ideas, or uh, you want to criticize me, hey, that's okay. You can do that. And send all of those things to theologyandmusic at gmail.com. But with that, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and have a wonderful Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>